0: Hi guys, today I we are joined by Caroline Assain. She is the founder of an amazing company called Create Cat. And it is a social enterprise that promotes the importance of creativity and play in human development, particularly for those children who learn differently and those at risk. She's also the pioneer and founder of a model called the Developmental Play Model, which she will go into. in 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 our chat together which is a holistic approach that brings best global practice in child development to the children who need it the most with projects in india and a few other places around the world
1: hi caroline welcome thank you thank you for having me and you're joining us today from singapore singapore Mm. on the equator awesome nice and hot there indeed indeed and it looks like we're about to have rain any minute so if i look out the window and you hear thunder and lightning it's a tropical rainstorm
0: oh i miss those i miss those <laughs> i grew up in thailand for a little while and those are my favorite favorite times of year the the rainy season um going swimming outside which maybe wasn't the safest practice but um yeah they're <laughs> awesome those storms yeah.
1: They are, aren't they? They have got a lot of passion and power.
0: Yeah. So
1: you're a play consultant? I'm, well, I'm actually, I'm an occupational therapist, an arts and play therapist and an educator. Oh, wow. So I'm a clinician by background and mm-hmm. also um, uh, a mother of three boys. And, uh, um, and then I do a lot of training and education as well.
0: Oh, great, and, and you work
1: for with a company called. So my company is called Create Cat, which stands for Creative Arts Therapy and uh, Create Creative Arts Therapy and Training. It's a sort of umbrella company, but our main passion and uh, product is something called developmental play. Mm. And and what what is that? Uh, it's it's a model for understanding how and why children play and how as adults, we can support children play, um, to, we can support children to develop through play. Um, and it brings together my clinical background, my occupational therapy background, my creative arts therapy background, my education experience, my neurobiology um, background as a clinician, and also my experience as a parent. Um, into a sort of very simple pyramid model that looks at particularly what we call pre-verbal play. Because most of us, when we think about play, we think about what's called higher play, which is um, imagination, storytelling, being able to build magical worlds. And we forget that actually before children are able to do that kind of play by about three or four, certainly by five, lots of other play is happening earlier Mm -hmm. and because I'm a clinician I work with children who um, learn differently or maybe have emotional challenges or who have had a trauma they often go back into that pre-verbal i.e before language play and um, we've forgotten about it if you ask anyone a memory of play it's generally um, no younger than four years old because of our cognitive development, we remember most things from about four. Mm. Does that mean we're not playing before four? No, it doesn't. So developmental play was really about helping us understand how play begins um, almost before a child is born. You know, they're rocked in utero, they're sung to. Um, Sometimes parents will tell stories to the unborn infant. So play is beginning very early but as adults, we've forgotten what it means and how it works. So developmental play is very much a model that helps you understand how children learn from the very beginning of sort of conception and um, birth through the medium of play and positive relationships. Mm.
0: Yeah, I didn't think about play being in utero as well.
1: Well, it's the movement, it's that rhythm Because I work with quite a lot of children with um, uh, um, quite substantial challenges sometimes, I often find myself thinking maybe with a four or five-year-old going back to really early developmental stages and you find sort of white music and rocking helps them feel safe and goes back to sort of early development and then you sort of help them build up it's basically like rewiring the brain a lot of my clinical work that's what I do um following this model Mm. is thinking this is how children develop and grow if they've got a challenge or something's happened and they're not developing in the right way let's go back to the foundation skills strengthen them and build them up so developmental plays based on a pyramid the idea you've got strong foundations you can build a strong pyramid Mm. Um, uh, a bit like Maslow's Hierarchy, hierarchy of Yeah, Yeah. How did you, so how did you get into this? Oh, now that's quite a long story in some ways. Um, I've got the, my hot chocolate. you got your hot chocolate. Tuck into your hot chocolate and I'll tell <laughs> you a story. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's it's the culmination of my 30 plus plus I used to work in adult psychiatry um, with obviously with adults who've had challenges and the challenges have got the better of them. So I've always known from that experience that a lot of the seeds for social and emotional well-being are sown very young. Um, And I've always been interested in creativity and I think creativity in adulthood um, has lots of similarities with playfulness in childhood so it's always been my passion Um, and then I think when I had my own children um, I remember somebody telling me that your children will show you how you learned and even though I'd studied child development twice in my two therapy trainings it wasn't till I had my own children that I lived it 24-7 and I think my own children were my greatest teachers and actually watching them develop and grow through play and revisiting all these stages made me realize even more how important it was. Mm. So all this experience came together and then the the developmental play model was actually born um, in work I was doing in rural India. So I was working in a special needs school in rural India where nobody had the kind of trainings that myself and my colleague had. And so I was training parents and teachers in basic child development. And because of my clinical um, experience, I can see a child and I think, right, right, got this, this, this. And within five minutes, I can make recommendations that I know will help them develop because I've had all those years experience. And I thought, how can I get that expertise into a simple accessible form so that it can go into translation to parents who haven't got the luxury of doing two degrees and five years to get the expertise they need it now for their children so it was really translating through a that's right training through a translator in a different culture trying to get rid of all the the fluff we have around it and trying to think, okay, what matters most? And how can I help these parents? So it was born from necessity of getting what I felt was best practice in child development to the people who needed it most. Mm -hmm. So my model was really born for um, the developing world where they didn't have access to the expertise we have here in Singapore or in the UK. Or in richer countries, it was born for parents who had children initially with um, developmental challenges in India, so that they could get best advice, a few nuggets of helpful truth that would help them help their children reach their potential. Mm. And what um, are
0: those nuggets? What are, what are the what are the first steps to this to this model?
1: Well. Um, Uh, What I will give you a link to, um, Mm -hmm. and maybe you can put in at the end here, is the little YouTube movie. Have you seen it about developmental play? It's an animation my animator made. I'll make sure we give a link. But it explains how children grow through this developmental play pyramid. And the bottom of the pyramid is about um, sensory body play. So the idea, and this is an occupational therapy concept, that we develop through our Eight senses. Now, usually people think about the five touch, taste, smell, uh, vision, and hearing but we actually have three hidden senses uh, the vestibular, which is all about balance and feeling grounded, pro- proprioception, which is about our body in space, yeah. and then interoception, which is understanding our internal organs and that's all linked to heartbeat, hunger, feelings, and emotions. So that's the foundation um, is the sensory body play. And then what I call attachment safety play. And this is about that positive relationship, that nurture of your chief carer, whether that's a, a parent or an auntie or whoever. Um, and it's interesting from many of years of my career, That's where I start. You'll have older children coming in and they're struggling at school. I look at them and I realize that some of their senses are not working in the way they should. And even though they function at higher levels, because they've got a challenge on that foundation, it really knocks the development, the pyramid, wobbles. Mm. So sensory body play is the foundation and it's all about understanding our bodies and attachment safety play. Those are the foundation of the pyramid, which is um, really social, emotional, physical, and cognitive. Everything is linked with the sort of mind and the body. Um, So that's the foundation. And then the next level is what we call creative explorative play. So once children know how their bodies work and they feel safe, they begin to explore cause and effect and how they can impact on the outside world. And then after that, and this is how we wire the brain. So neurobiologically, um, I think we all know that children's, um, children are born with, um, what do they call it? Um, soft-wired, um, and they haven't, the neurons really begin as soon as children are born. And this is how, um, you know, you see through these things, you wire a brain like a sort of beautiful connected tree. But if you miss some of it, you, you've only got half the tree, or Um, things don't connect in the way they want to, or if your um, children on the autistic spectrum have a differently developed brain. So you often need to work harder to get that lovely connected wiring. Um, But it's all about relationships and feeling your body. Um, And sorry, so the third level, if I, I mean, I've got a little pyramid, you can find it on the website. We can put all the links on the end as well if anyone's interested. Um, And there's lots of talks on my YouTube channel as well that explain it in a bit more depth. Um, But what happens once you've realized that you can have an impact on the world through play, and that might just be, um, you know, hearing when you drop a toy, you make a sound. This is all about cause and effect play that you can impact on the outside world. Mm -hmm. And then from that cause and effect play, children move up to meaning making play. And this is, if any of you are familiar with Piaget's work, when they begin to um, have a representational play and they can make meaning and they compare and contrast. A lot of this was in the first two years of life, but because we're not getting language, we don't realize how much children are developing until they can tell us um, in speech how incredible this cognition and development is. And then the top of the pyramid, level four, is what we call higher play. That's imagination, social learning, role play, um, pretending to be other people. The wonderful play I love watching when children are at that higher level because they play out the world around them, they play out their families. um, Everything they see, they reflect, they learn friendships, they understand emotions. But so much is happening before that. that in a in a way, developmental play gives you a model to understand um, what you're seeing uh, before it's connected to language. Mm. That's in a sort of nutshell. Mm.
0: That's uh, well, that's really interesting for me. I am um, a qualified early years teacher, and uh, I I learnt through Ryan inspired daycare centres, which are based on play and putting resources in the environment and watching how a child is interacting with them. And this is from as early as three months old, um, seeing how even how they interact with um, the the different textures under their feet and how you can see when they put their foot on the floor, how they are feeling the difference between carpet and wood, for example. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very yeah. much in line and um, I'd love to learn funny. more more about your model and 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 put into practice when i'm working with
1: working with children and and observing them yeah fascinating yeah well it's interesting i mean some of the fascinating things that i i've seen during my work um because i work in india i work in the philippines i work i'm based in singapore and singapore is very urban i mean new zealand I have New Zealand relatives and have been there and you've got that beautiful outdoors, you've got Mm -hmm. a lot of country. We're a tiny little island here. And even though we're a sort of garden city and we've got lots of nature, it's different nature from the kind of nature you have in New Zealand. I grew up in um, a farming community in England. So, you know, that lovely, very similar to New Zealand, that lovely outdoors, you know, you made mud pies, you ran through woods, you climbed trees. We don't have that kind of thing here in Singapore. It's um, very urban, uh, even our parks, um, a lot of them are level. You can't climb the trees here. Um, Ah. It's it's not encouraged. And also it's full of red ants, which is slightly discouraging as well. So it's, it's a very different environment and I'm fascinated in how it affects physiology. Right and how people move differently here because they haven't had those different sensory experiences. And in Asia where we've got um, massive um, urbanization happening and a lot of very big modern cities, um, it's incredible how it impacts on child development.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine. And then with the Um, I I don't know uh, about you, but I, I, um, I recommend to parents to not put their children in jolly jumpers or things that are going to get in the way of their natural gross motor development. Um, And I can, I can see a a significant difference between children who haven't had that in, in their, in their early years and, and the children that have and how their uh, is it the proprio- proprioception, which is the awareness and space and their vestibular system is, is um, quite underdeveloped in terms of, um, you know, just climbing up the stairs to a slide or um, moving their body through, uh, through a jungle gym. Um, children who, who have been given that space and that time to develop um, in their own time, they, they're, they're much less likely to um, have accidents and um, hit themselves, hit their, hit their heads on a table or... Um, they know where their body is. They know where their bodies are, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now with the increase of, of screens coming into play, um, it's more important now more than ever, I think, for children to really get that opportunity to have that play.
1: Definitely, definitely. And that sort of rough and tumble. I mean, I remember as a a mother, tossing my children up and down and round and round with hoots of laughter, lots of engagement, and you're moving them in space.
0: Mm.
1: And I think, you know, sometimes parents either aren't available because they're so busy or they're worried that their children You know, it's not good for them to do rough and tumble. And I often with older children, I say, you know, we need to get them moving more in space. Let's go back to those early up and down and round and round and rocking. Mm. And all that engagement is so important. And it's interesting. There's a lot of research being done about the increase in anxiety for children who haven't um, played enough. And a lot of that is physical. I have a lot of children coming to my clinic and I look at how they walk into the room and their bodies are scared. And they just haven't had enough movement. And I think post COVID, because children haven't been able to go out and play, they haven't um, been able to, uh, I mean, we're lucky here in Singapore. I I think New Zealand's been quite Mm. um, lucky as well, but a lot of children across the world, in the Philippines, they're still on lockdown. Children haven't been at school for a year. Oh, wow. Um, In in some areas. And this has huge implications for child development. Mm. Um, You know, they're not getting out and moving. And like you say, so much screen time Mm. um, is going to influence hugely core development, um, sense of your body in space, uh, your visual systems. Um, We're probably going to have more myopia because you need at least an hour and a half of daylight um, a day for to develop the visual system in the early childhood years. So there's huge, I think, you know, ECD is going to be a really important area for checking children catch up and play is the best way to expose them to um, the world and give them confidence in it because mm. it's their language and their way of, um, exploring and expressing
0: so if you had one piece of advice to give to parents or caregivers of children during this time which is 2021 um what what would that be
1: oh gosh just one <laughs> well, you can just, yeah share as much as you like well i mean i think the key one is to in some ways to listen to what the child is saying with the ears of a child. I mean this is one of the key things I do as a clinician because I realize through play and through understanding looking through the lens of the developmental play pyramid I learn to listen to children beyond my adult language and um I'm aware that actually children tell you things all the time. It's just, it might be in the way they move, the things they seek, the things they avoid, the way they play, the way they sit. Um, uh, A lot of it's through metaphor. And I mean, even children who don't have language are telling you things all the time. But I think because of as adults, we've been so conditioned into a, a verbal, highly cognitive world we lose the language of childhood. Mm. And there's a lovely poem from the founder of Reggio Emilia, The Hundred Languages of Childhood. Mm. And in many ways, what developmental play tries to do in um, our approach is to give us adults who've often lost the magic of play back some of that language so that we can hear what children are saying. Mm. Um, And I have, which you're most welcome to um, share. Maybe I can give you a link to the blog. I wrote a little story about um, a child on lockdown, called Lin Lin on lockdown. And it outlines her play. It's written as a little story. You can see the way she's playing is telling you how she's feeling and how she's understanding her world. Because I think the greatest thing my children have taught me And working with children is um, that, you know, children are talking to us all the time. It's just in the language of play and not in our very verbal language. Mm. I did have a wonderful experience the other day, actually, when I um, was working with a child who does have good language and I was trying to suggest for things to him to do Because I knew as an occupational therapist, he might need to learn this and this. And he looked at me and he said, he said, why are you doing all these things to me? He said, I've had an awful day as it is. And I just want to play. (laughs) And I thought out of the mouth of babes, this wonderful thing. And I I, I could have hugged him because I thought, yes, stop being such an adult, Caroline. (laughs) What's this child? What he's telling you through his... You know, every time I tried to get him to do something that I thought would help, help him, um, you know, feel stronger, he was getting <laughs> um, And then eventually he said it straight to me and I thought, oh, you know, get rid of your adult brain, get down with the child, play with the child, listen to the child. That, that I think is probably my one bit of advice. Mm-hmm. Children communicate all the time mm-hmm. and our role is to listen with the right kind of ears and see with the right kind of eyes. Mm. um and then we can be with them in the space where they need us to be
0: absolutely Um,
1: yeah yeah
0: which takes practice getting into that that headspace and make sure that well for me personally I need to practice mindfulness in order to get there and make sure that all my needs are met when I am observing a child because my needs can get in the way
1: of What's really going on, as well? Exactly, exactly. And about being really reflective. And and it's interesting, isn't it? Because in some ways, mindfulness is about us stopping racing ahead with all these thoughts, ideas, things that we've had put into our mind over the years, um, and actually stopping and being and listening. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Because I, I I do think a lot of children have to shout really hard because. A lot of us aren't listening yeah. because we've been overeducated. We're overqualified, um, and we're not listening.
0: Yeah, I think um, there's a there's a common phrase where where, ch- where you know a child's attention seeking, um, and I and I think that when a when a child has gotten to that place where they're seeking attention, they they're actually craving relationship. They're craving to be seen. And they may have tried different techniques, um, but we we haven't seen it. We haven't haven't, um, noticed that they're trying to communicate in a particular way because we're we're up here and we're thinking, you know, dinner, washing, uh, work, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, when a child is getting to that place and they are misbehaving or they're naughty, I I really don't like those words, um, attention seeking, then to re- To look at to look at myself to look at us as an adult and think, oh, this child's really craving relationship right now. What are they needing? What are they missing?
1: Yeah, yeah. And what am I not hearing?
0: What am I not hearing? Yes, yeah.
1: Mm. Yes.
0: I find it really helpful to to say out loud, especially with a a nonverbal child. Okay, so you've had. You've had your lunch, you had your nap, the and go and go through it like, "Oh, how, how could what, what are you missing right now?" Um, and most often it's that connection, that relationship.
1: Yeah Yeah. Well again, there's some fascinating work about that whole thing you said about being seen mm-hmm. um, and that um, eye contact that you know you think about when you nurture a newborn baby. I see you, there's such intense. Um, eye contact, mm. um, and engagement, and what we call attunement. And I was fascinated by a lot of the children who come and see me in my clinic. Um, just want me to watch their play. Yes. And I was amazed why it was so powerful, because sometimes parents would say, "What have you done? You know, it's like you've turned a switch on in my child." And I said, "Well, mm. I've just let them play and watched them play and affirmed their play." And I was sort of a bit disconcerted, and I thought, why is it so powerful that seeing and watching a child playing, um, and then there was some research that came out from the Pedal Institute at the University of Cambridge, Play Education Development and Learning Center, about um, um, the neurobiology of eye contact and engagement. Mm -hmm. And it was a four-month-old little baby um, who was being held by the mother. And when the mother sang to the baby and looked into the baby's eyes and sang a nursery rhyme, the EEG peaked. And you got lots of good um, electro responses in the brain. When the mother sang the same song, same baby, but looked 20, uh, 20 30 degrees away and didn't make eye contact, maybe they were on the phone, Um, the EEG dropped, I can't remember the exact statistics, but significantly below, um, I think it was up to two thirds. I mean, something just quite. And when I read this research, I suddenly thought, that makes so much sense. So what I'm doing by seeing a child and literally looking at them and they check out my eyes, are you looking at me, are you seeing me? Um, I'm actually firing those neurons at a maximum level. And that's why change happens so fast. So, I mean, another bit of advice, I would say, see your child. Use seeing language, mirror them. This is all about mirror neurons, really, Um, but engagement as well.
0: Mm. So I think
1: that seeing is really, really important. Mm.
0: It's quite simple when, when it's broken down. I mean, every human, whether you're one or 50, to have to for someone to make eye contact and to really see you is is quite it it makes me feel amazing when someone really sees me yeah
1: yeah, yeah. it's uh, do you remember in the green naveen the what's the um avatar you know that movie with the um the big tree and the, how they say i love you uh, I mean I've never forgotten it because when they say I love you they I think they link their tails under that amazing tree and they say I see you and love and being seen is so linked yes um
0: thank you so much for this conversation it's been a real pleasure talking to you if anyone wants to find out more information or wants to contact you how can they do that
1: uh, well, we have a website, um, which is quite easy to remember. It's www.developmental-play.com. Okay. Um, or you can, through um, my name, I'm easy to find online. Um, and then also my company website um, is uh, www.createcat.com. Um, and then we have an academy. Oh, if anyone is interested. Oh, let me just show you this. Um, we do have a little book, and I'm just about to put the Linlin um, story. So this is a book um, which is on my academy called Fighting the Dragon, Finding the Self, Why Art and Play Matter in Early Childhood. And it's really about all, some, all the theory that underpins the developmental play pyramid um, and model. And it's dedicated to my children who've been my greatest teachers. And it's full of lots of stories about why play matters. And I wrote it for um, parents and teachers here in Singapore to help them understand why art and play is important. Mm. And it's a very sort of practical hands on book um, for anyone in the early childhood sector. So you can find that if you're interested on um, the Create Cat Academy. Okay. Um, and it's a downloadable pdf book but it's very much for parents any parents who bring a child to see me i say look i recommend you read my book um it's much cheaper than talking to me and um you can find out all the things that i think will help you um uh, nurture your child in a creative positive um way and it's the core textbook for our developmental play um training okay. so we have a We have an online certificate as well, which is approved by the World Federation of Occupational Therapists. It's a 100 hour certificate in the developmental play model. And all of that you can find out about on the website or um, on the academy. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really nice to chat to you and stay safe in New Zealand. And you in Singapore. (laughs) Thank you.